Hi, welcome to History Respond. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. And joining me on today's show is John Harney. Hey, John, how's quarantine life treating you? Uh, it's okay, Bob. It's all right. You know, I will say um, that the endless Zoom meetings, I'm better at them because I'm used to talking to people remotely. Nobody else is used to it. Good. So that's been the one <laughs> That's the one silver lining I have. <laughs> You've got a lot of experience with that. Yeah. So uh, on today's episode, we'll be discussing the reveal of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is set in and around the North Sea during the 9th century at the height of the so-called Viking Age. And the game is set to be released later this year, knock on wood, uh, and will appear on current generation consoles, next generation consoles, and on PC through the Ubisoft store and the Epic store, which is a kind of a huge get for Epic, which is kind of mm-hmm. escalating its war against Steam. <laughs> um, so today we got the cinematic trailer for the game, which depicted uh, kind of stereotypical Viking stuff. There was a Viking raid of an English coastal settlement, uh, and the trailer had all the hallmarks of recent Assassin's Creed games, uh, including ships, uh, blood, gore, kings gods mythology uh and then at the end of course a hidden blade uh so we've got a ton to discuss about this trailer about the reveal from the game from ubisoft uh but john i wanted to start with you and ask you what did you make of this reveal um I wasn't shocked it was Vikings. How long is the how long has it been common knowledge to be Vikings? Every six months? I'd say six months. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um at the same time, I really liked it. Um I thought it was pretty cool. Um we can go on to talk about it in more detail. It's very kind of a um historically revisionist view like they, they they're yes. going to great pains to present the vikings a certain way which we'll definitely talk more yes. about because i think that it kind of goes too far the other direction um but um it looks amazing yes i mean it looks fantastic it looks beautiful like and all the individual uh, faces of the various humans look amazing um but i liked it but i like the small touches as well like uh, alfred the great and i'm assuming some kind of templar worm tongue type figure <laughs> i'm not really sure where they're going with that but um no so my initial reaction was god this looks great and i i enjoyed odyssey a lot um and i like the period odyssey is set in and everything but um valhalla is very very exciting yeah cool uh well yeah i think you know like you mentioned this trailer and the kind of reveal information we've gotten from ubisoft about the game so far you know it really fits in with what you might call the recent hallmarks of the assassin's creed series you know basically uh from let's say black flag uh, definitely since origins uh to this point Mm -hmm. you know you've got uh a setting Uh, in the distant past, you know, so this is in the Dark Ages, so-called Dark Ages. Uh, Mm. You've got a time period that's really famous for conflict, uh, and then a period that is also marked by a lot of mythology, and I would say also, with regards to historical memory, a lot of mythologizing as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's also a period, you know, uh, this is a period after the fall of Rome, uh, where you've got a lot of divisions uh, throughout Northern Europe, uh, you know, not only in Norway and Denmark, uh, where the Vikings, so-called Vikings are coming from, but then also in England uh, itself, uh, where you've got divisions within the Anglo-Saxon tribes uh, and then the remaining Britons and Romans uh, who are there. 
Uh, but in all of that conflict and all of that history, there's not much in the way of historical record. Uh, so you've got kind of a blank canvas, uh, excuse me, a blank canvas uh, to deal with, uh, which is kind of fertile territory historically for the Assassin's Creed series. Uh, and then kind of mechanically, you've also got a setting that allows for a lot of opportunity for travel on land and sea. You know, Ubisoft has kind of become not only the developer of towers, but then also of uh, <laughs> ocean fighting, of sea fighting. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, it makes sense from a mechanical uh, kind of game playing standpoint to have this setting because of, you know, Viking launch ships and raiding and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I think I, I'm not surprised either that this is the setting for the new Assassin's Creed. You know, we've heard a lot about uh, rumors about this in the past six months or so. Um, I would say that it does seem a little bit risky in the sense that there has been a lot of Viking video games in the past few years, mm -hmm. you know, most notably, uh, God of War, uh, delved into Viking mythology, Norse mythology, uh, for its most recent game, which was critically acclaimed, uh, won a bunch of Game of the Year awards. Uh, you also had another critical darling uh, game called Hellblade, uh, which did uh, similar things, uh, not to mm -hmm. the same kind of grandiose level as God of War, but still uh, delving into Norse mythology. And I, I would say that maybe there's a risk of Viking burnout. Um, <laughs> and, you know, from just a... A general standpoint, you know, looking in particular at the most recent Assassin's Creed games, I'm surprised still that they haven't gone with Rome instead. It seemed like a more natural fit when you consider Origins was ancient Egypt and then Odyssey, mm -hmm. ancient Greece. It just kind of felt mm -hmm. like we were going to get a kind of Greco-Roman uh, game to tie that all off. But, um, you know, still, uh, I think there's plenty of opportunity uh, with this game with Valhalla and it, I think you know it fits in well with the mechanics that have been established by the recent Assassin's mm -hmm. Creed games yeah I well something that struck me watching the trailer for the first time is just you know what an institution Assassin's Creed is at this point which of course isn't news right but um, if you had told me um, when Assassin's Creed 4 was a new game that the naval combat would basically be a mainstay of all the main games going forward. <laughs> I probably probably would have been happy because it worked really well in that game, but I don't think I would have believed you. Do you know what I mean? Because it yeah. just felt so specific to that game. Yeah. Um, and then they brought it into all these games since. Um, and then the other, the meta thing, makes you think of the FIFA World Cup, the soccer World Cup, where they used to do one tournament for the Europeans, one tournament for South Americans, and they would bip and bop between continents, you know. Mm -hmm. And Ubisoft has to have a long-term plan. And like you say, Rome seemed like a natural next step. But I guess maybe they're thinking Rome is always there for them. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, if anything, you know, it's a conversation you and I had years ago when Red Dead Redemption came out, and I've mentioned it a few times in this podcast, of wouldn't it be awesome if Rockstar just did random historical games every now and again? <laughs> Assassin, and Assassin's Creed has become that to the point where as much as the whole he's an assassin, which obviously wasn't shocking, reveal, it was cool in the moment. It was very, very well done. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there going, yeah, but I don't care about any of that. That's, like, that's what I care about the least <laughs> <laughs> is the sci-fi um, patina of whatever the hell, who even knows what's going on at this Dan point. Dan Brown <laughs> slash, you know, Arthur yeah, C. Yeah. Clarke, whatever you want to call it. 
but even even whatever it is, I mean, even in Odyssey, the whole underground, um, you know, the Atlantis, whatever you want to call it, stuff. Uh, the the most the worst part of it was I had to sit through some randomly weird like you know conversation with somebody in the president. Why? You yeah. know, like I don't care. You know. Um, so so that's interesting to me that for me at least, and I I I, I suspecting I hope I'm going to like this. I loved the trailer. Um, more than ever, I'm tolerating the kind of you know may he rest in peace Desmond centric or I guess it isn't you know I don't care anymore <laughs> hashtag never forget an involved. never forget <laughs> yeah. John well I think it's funny yeah. I mean you come from that angle I am still kind of into the sci-fi elements of it um, I have to admit I you know it's been difficult as a fan of that part of the series these past few games but you know it seems like from early conversations, early news uh, coming out of Ubisoft that they are going to try to make more of that modern era stuff going mm-hmm. forward. Um, but I think, you know, what interests me the most about this game is not only the setting, but then also the kind of modern day political implications for that setting. Um, so, you know, in the trailer and in the kind of the basis for the game, uh, you've got the Viking raids, uh, which mm-hmm. were brought on by um, kind of political economic instability uh, mm-hmm. in Scandinavia and Denmark, uh, you know, during this time period, during the so-called Dark Ages. And uh, so you've got uh, raids that are coming out of Norway and Denmark in particular, and it's partly about attempting to find resources uh, to continue to survive, but then also to set up settlements uh, in mm-hmm. England uh, to mm-hmm. live. And so I think you are, it would be difficult for you to play this game, um, and I haven't played it yet, but I think it would be difficult for you to look at this trailer and play this game and not think about you know the Syrian refugee crisis. And then also, because of the setting of the game, you know, it's set in England, uh, for the most part, where the Viking raids mm-hmm. took place, it's hard not to think of Brexit uh, as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> and on top of all that, you've got a lot of kind of interesting historical memory issues. You know, you've got age-old historical debates about the Vikings, the Viking raids, uh, and their place in history and historical memory. You know, the the very term Viking is a very controversial term because it's a, a kind of a catch-all uh, crutch term used to mm-hmm. uh, kind of demarcate a whole assortment of different groups of people from Norway and Denmark. Um, and the same thing goes for England at this point. You know, there's kind of a, I guess what you could, you know, an undertow of historical memory that's written through this trailer uh, related to England and how important the Viking raids were to English mythology, or not necessarily mythology, but myth-making around the creation of England as a state, as a nation, and mm-hmm. how important the Viking raids were to that idea, right? You know, uh, you could say English nationalism, and this has been an argument that's been made many times, English nationalism started with the Viking raids, right? A rejection of the Vikings right. and, you know, kind of a, uh, a rallying around uh, Alfred the Great uh, and a lot of that same sort of... Uh, idea, you know, the historical memory of that, the symbology, uh, the iconography of that uh, history has been regurgitated recently with Brexit. So Mm -hmm. I think 
I'm personally a little disappointed they didn't go with Rome, but I think given what I've just gone over, I think there's a lot of meat on the bone uh, for people interested in discussing this time period and also a lot for this game uh, to delve into, uh, mm-hmm. not only with the game itself, but then also the kind of discussion discourse around the game. Well, I mean, I, I feel I feel it's important for me to point out, and I've held back this long, that the game is doing something right because um, the English the English are the bad guys. So that's that's, cor- that's co- correct. That's the correct uh, view. It it also fits the certain kind of cinematic Hollywood style of the game too. There's you know you get down these English sounding people as bad guys. No, I think that's a great point. I think it's funny we're talking about Rome so much because I've been reading about Rome. I've been reading Mary Beard's SPQR which is it's excellent. And if anybody who doesn't know who Mary Beard is, is interested in the history of Rome, you need to read things that she's written. because She's a wonderful writer and she's a very, very good historian. And at this point in the book, um, you know, the Romans get to a point where they see themselves as this global, you know, world-conquering force of nature and everything. But early on, like 3rd century, 2nd century BCE, they're not probably, they probably aren't there yet. It's it's disputed. Beard argues they aren't there yet. Um, and her only real answer, which I think is a good one, is that um, uh, the Mediterranean was a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're, we're applying to, like, the you know 3rd century BCE Rome um, ideas that both make more sense now and made more sense in the 2nd century AD or CE. Um and it made more sense to Romans in the first and second century CE. So, for example, I'm thinking of Vikings and even present-day Scandinavian self-imagery. You think of when I teach the samurai, I talk about this all the time. Um, you know, the Japanese engage in the myth-making as much as anybody else does. Yeah. You know, um, so so I think that's kind of um, I think that's fascinating. I think the, the trailer has a lot of kind of you know, the English king saying these terrible things about them, but they didn't kill children. And they, they probably did, not because they're bad people, but just because, you know, it was the ninth century, you know? It's not, like, you don't have to go back very far for that to be fairly common. Yeah. Um, and, and the truth is that, um, you know, the whole Viking term, I think, is 18th century or something. And it, it's funny because this whole thing of the Vikings either being these savages or noble savages, that's actually dichotomy going back a couple hundred years. Oh, so yeah. Oh, we, for sure. We, yeah. Yeah, like we've all grown up, but I'm sure many of the list, the classic thing, right, that they didn't wear horned helmets. Um, although I understand custom customization's a big thing in this game, so I guess hopefully you can have a horned helmet if you really want it. But um, if you if you're feeling Wagnerian, but um, um, this notion, well, they weren't really like X, weren't really like Y. Well, yeah, they weren't really like A or B either, or well, they might have been. We don't know. Um, so, for example, maybe they're inseparable from what the Romans were a thousand years earlier in 150 BC, right? Maybe there were lots and lots of similarities. Like, but, but of course, in the modern, in the present day, and going back to the early years of cinema, the Romans are always played by English actors pontificating, looking somewhere off stage, Shakespearean, yeah. right? Yeah. Andronicus becomes, you know, and so on and so on. Um, whereas the Vikings, we've graduated from kind of roaring savages and opera to... Um, you know, sexy Vikings on TV, which is a more recent <laughs> development. Uh, what channel so, is that so, on? You know, <laughs> the History Channel. So <laughs> it's uh, so it's um so I was fascinated by that. I kind of I kind of love that they kind of dove right into it because my my the first kind of half of the trailer, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, sure, why not? Why not? Why not have this revisionist view of the Vikings? Like, what's the what's the harm kind of thing? Um, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued to see where they go with it. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, that kind of historical revisionism, that is kind of fertile ground for the Assassin's Creed series. It has been since mm-hmm. they started. Um, you know, anytime you get a moment where, you know, one historical group is demonized and the other is valorized, that's kind of a, a, a good spot for an Assassin's Creed game because, you know, the whole thing with the Assassin's Creed story is that, well, the history you know isn't true, and the bad guys were actually the good guys, and the good guys were actually incredibly <laughs> evil, right? And I think you get a lot of that right. from watching this trailer. I mean, it is almost a perfect distillation of Assassin's Creed historical revisionism. And, you know, I think that is uh, something to be excited about, right? Because they're kind of sticking mm-hmm. to their roots in a very, mm-hmm. um, you know, fictionalized narrative sense. But it's also something to keep in mind uh, for, um, you know, more historically minded uh, players. Uh, when you're playing these games, you know, this game itself, it is a history of the past, right? Even if it is filled with all kind of mythology and, you know, uh, horned helmets and uh, downloadable content and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also one that is taking a particular argument about the past and it is revising um, you might even say it's probably revising a revision uh, in of itself. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's something you want to take with a grain of salt, even though you are perhaps eager to jump into this playground uh, and mm-hmm. play around with. So, yeah. Well, I, I thought you made it, you're making a great point and, and more, you know, thinking about it. One of the things I like about not just Assassin's Creed series, but all games that do these things well. So the fight scene at the end of the trailer felt very Game of Thrones to me. You know, the mountain type figure showing up, but but it works very well cinematically. Um, but there is this language of an English king, right? Yeah. And these people have been, you might think they were savages, but actually were quite sophisticated. It's like, well, actually, I'm going back to Beard's point of Mediterranean thousand years earlier. It was, you know, it was a mess. There's no England at this point, of course, yeah. as you well know, Bob, right? Yes. yes. I mean, this this is the time of Beowulf-ish, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of the Angles and the, the Saxons. It's all a bit messy. Um, when I went to college 20 years ago now, um, an historian got up on the rostrum in front of 400, 400 of us and explained that the English like to talk about the, the Viking conquest of Ireland, but it never happened mm-hmm. whereas the vikings did conquer england and that's that's true but what the vikings did do is they founded almost all of ireland's main cities on the coast including dublin the capital um, and the reason they didn't conquer ireland was that irish politics was made the made england look unified by comparison <laughs> and it was just it was just too it was just too much too difficult and maybe it was too inconvenient we're not sure you know that was but but a lot of europe was like that um and and maybe the game will delve into that kind of an idea, but but I but I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't kill them on it. I mean, they've got to make a game. It's yeah. got to work. It's got to work at some point, especially with the Templars assassin over thing and overlay. And I'll be honest. I mean, my only real I love sci-fi as a whole. I've just lost track of what the heck is going on. But when they have the the Templar assassins overlay, they they need to have some sense and uh, uh, of these kind of groups factions i guess and another part of it i suppose is that um and i think i've read this somewhere that it's definitely happening i'm assuming it's a continuation of some of the kind of war mechanics you saw in odyssey yes therefore you you have to have the english or the mercians or whatever you're going to call them 
um, versus the Norsemen or the Danes or so, or whatever. Mercians, nice deep cut there, John. That's great. <laughs> well, you know, well, I do play a lot of Crusader Kings too. So good little good little uh, <laughs> Irish nationalist historical argumentation going on here. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about more about the mechanics because things are changing up a little bit. Um, I've got a, uh, a web page open here from uh, GameSpot, and they've got a lot of good uh, resources about uh, the game. Uh, they've got, in particular, an uh, interview with uh, Darby McDivitt, uh, who is the narrative director for this game. And uh, McDivitt is actually somebody that I saw talk at um, GDC uh, back in 2017. And uh, he's... Uh, very well-spoken guy, uh, very um, interested in historical games, and uh, he's got uh, an interview here on GameSpot in which he kind of delves into the history, what he's trying to get at uh, with the story, and then also getting a little bit into how that plays into the mechanics. Um, and then they've got another article here uh, on GameSpot about uh, just kind of wrapping up all of the details from the trailer as well as promotional information about the mechanics uh, from um, uh, Ubisoft. And I don't want to sound like I'm uh, <laughs> becoming a, uh, uh, a, sh a shill for GameSpot, but uh, I do think uh, <laughs> these articles are really handy because it gives you a little quick uh, snippet of what you're looking for uh, with the details from the game. And one of the things that stood out to me was that the developers are leaning into the RPG elements of the game, and in particular, uh, attempting to build up uh, those RPG elements that you saw in Origins, that you saw in Odyssey. Uh, they're doing that primarily through the inclusion of a settlement. So this is like a camp right. that you build up, you look after, and you upgrade over the course of the game. Uh, and in the settlement, you'll be able to participate in activities, and they've got them listed here. Uh, fishing, hunting, dice, and drinking games. Uh, so this sounds hmm. a little bit like what you were talking about earlier, you know, Assassin's Creed sort of becoming not just like The Witcher, but becoming more like Red Dead, right? In particular, Red Dead Redemption 2, where you had your base camp and, you know, you went right. back to it and you could upgrade it and everything. And it does seem like in that setting, you could have more RPG elements, not just upgrading uh, and the doling out of attribute points or something like that, but then also conversations with other characters. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, so it's very appealing to me. You know, <laughs> it's kind of an idea of like an Animal Crossing sphere. Now, I think it's interesting. It's fascinating. You know, you see this in so many areas. You see it in sports a lot, for example, like soccer is my favorite sport, where, you know, 43 kind of came in with Barcelona a few years ago, and now basically everybody plays 43, and that's just, it's, it's a formation in soccer. Sorry, people who don't know. Um, but when, when things start to work, the obvious thing to do is to kind of, is to emulate that. And the bigger a video game gets, as we both know, the more moving parts are involved, um, the more difficult, you know, it's, it's a very hoary analogy, really. But, you know, moving a battleship is a lot harder than moving a skiff kind of thing or you know, turning a skiff. And so you start seeing this building on ideas. But I'm fascinated by this trend because you're seeing it. Red Dead's a great example, but you see it in lots and lots of small games. I'm trying to think or smaller games, I should say. Like the Pathfinder game that came out a year ago with this isometric RPG, you know, Baldur's Gate style, but mm -hmm. upon the Pathfinder series, that had that idea, you know, where you had your own kind of city type thing. Um, 
Um, in fact, a couple of those isometric games have been doing it. And, you know, people joke about crafting coming into everything kind of thing, <laughs> which is already happening with Assassin's Creed. But it's kind of, it is fascinating to me. Um, and I, I'm curious to see how they'll do it because they're on such a good run, I think, in my opinion. I, I think Origins and Odyssey have both panned out way better than I thought in both cases ahead of time, you know. Well, maybe before Origins, you know, I, I think the RPG stuff, I guess it has been jarring, but everyone's just kind of gone with it. It's the new normal now. Yeah, yeah, A phrase yeah, yeah. which we hear all the time. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I would say what's been the most remarkable thing to me about the Assassin's Creed series, just stepping back and looking at it as a game series, is how well they've adapted the game over the past decade or so, you know, because it debuted in 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about game series, um, you know, going back to the early 80s, you know, it's very often the case that you have a game series have three or four successful titles, and then all of a sudden it falls apart, right? And mm-hmm. everything collapses. And right. that could very well have happened to Assassin's Creed, but it didn't. And it's remarkable that they've managed to, in to a large extent, remake the whole game remake the whole idea of the series uh, and yet still be successful. I mean, it is still a, a third person action game, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, the older versions were simple mission based, uh, you know, games in which you were assassinating people based on stealth. And now, you know, with the most recent games, it's really more like a, a third person RPG, like the Witcher, um, and to hear that they're adding in settlements, I think is it makes a lot of sense. I think it's a natural progression uh, for what mm-hmm. they've been building upon with Origin and Odyssey. What fascinates me about it as well is the extent to which Ubisoft kind of just created the Ubi game idea almost, you know, mm-hmm. because as you say, those early games, um, you know, and I've said it before, it's not news to anybody. Um, you know, the, the last half hour of the first Assassin's Creed game is just terrible. It's just awful. <laughs> After what it was a really, really fun, you know, uh, game before that. Yeah. Um, but in those early games, yeah, like in between the missions, you'd run around and jump up to the top of buildings and everything else. And then you had this cross-pollination in various Ubisoft games. I'm thinking of Far Cry as well, of this idea, the outpost idea, mm-hmm. kind of drifting in between these different game series and everything else. So now, sure, you know, if one of the designers of the game was sitting here with us, they could say to us, oh, you still do, you know, you still unlock vision and you still do all these things. Like, yeah, but it feels completely different. Yeah. It's just a completely different game. Like, I, I, I never finished Odyssey because I just got distracted doing other things yeah. um which you could kind of do in assassin's creed 2 and 3 but it's not to the same extent yeah exactly i mean the whole idea of a side mission is really antithetical to the previous history of assassin's creed you know if you're thinking about ac 1 2 and 3 and to a certain extent 4 you know you had the idea of memory synchronization, right? So you would have right, certain, right, that's right. You would have certain side missions, but they would be all a part of this straight line campaign that you would start and you would finish. Whereas by the time you get to Origins and then Odyssey in particular, it's all open ended and there is a main campaign, but you don't necessarily have to interact with it. And you have these fully fleshed out uh, subplots through these side quests that you can do and you mm-hmm. can completely avoid 
mm-hmm. the main campaign if you want to. It's remarkable. Uh, it's it's crazy. <laughs> Honestly, if you're looking, <laughs> if you were to introduce, you know, the first Assassin's Creed uh, to players who had only played Origins or had only played Odyssey, I don't know what they would make of it. I don't know if they'd like it. I mean, you know, to keep our meta historians kind of hat on as well, it's just you have to give Ubisoft respect for just consistently pumping out, at the very least, acceptable games. I'm not yeah. sure you'll know better than I will now. What what's what, what are considered some of the weaker ones? Is Syndicate considered a weaker one or not? I know you like Syndicate. Oh, you know, I really loved Syndicate mainly because of the time period. <laughs> but but that, that, that but that was kind of my point. Like yeah. even the even even the so-called weaker Assassin's Creed games have more than enough champions because they're doing something consistently. Like they haven't had a stinker. Like yeah, you know, I I'd say mean, the closest one our, they got yeah. was uh, AC Unity. Uh, which was the one set during the French Revolution. And that um, had bugs and other technical That had a lot problems. of technical problems, but I think the core game outside of those problems was pretty good, and I think the multiplayer did some interesting things, but uh, there's not going to be a multiplayer mode with this game. There wasn't one with Odyssey and Origins, so I think they've kind of shied away from that, which I think, just as an aside, I think is really unfortunate because I think those familiar with the multiplayer mode in uh, AC, I think it started in AC 3, it was definitely in 4, uh, we'll remember it was pretty original in its take. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to describe now, but good multiplayer <laughs> mode, but they haven't done it in years now. And and, and they're always going to have such a huge player base, they can kind of put these things in there but like but I, I i don't mean to be rude but like fallout 76 is, is just a bad game you know it's just terrible it's, it's just awful and um the fallout series which theoretically looked invincible like it's you can like really talented people who really want to make a really good game can fall short like that's a pretty mm-hmm. common thing to happen and then stuff that most of us aren't paying attention to behind the scenes of people moving on to other opportunities teams changing relationships like human relationships like team changing and everything else it's kind of astonishing that ubisoft is consistently is consistently managing and now i hope i'm not jinxing them and i don't I, valhalla looks great um but it's amazing and all they do is every couple of years they just take a year off like these games are coming out a lot. Like the Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls games are all good, but they come out every like twelve years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. I, I think it's remarkable. Um, and so we'll see what the future has in store for Valhalla. I hope that we hear something about a new Discovery Tour mode, uh, which is something they did for mm-hmm. Origins and for Odyssey. Um, again, I I still wonder how well that. Discovery Tour mode is doing for them financially, or if that's even the point, I don't know. Uh, but it's right. something I definitely enjoyed, and uh, I think with each installment of that, you know, definitely with Odyssey, I thought this is something you could actually use in a classroom setting. Um, so I'd be curious to see what kind of improvements they've made uh, if they are planning on doing a Discovery Tour mode. What kind of improvements they make on top of that uh, for a potential Discovery Tour mode for valhalla uh but we'll we'll see i don't know any other last thoughts about valhalla um i just you know to reiterate i thought the trailer looked great and um fingers crossed uh, you know i i wish the best everybody involved it looks like it was a good call right now yeah um i'm excited and uh and, and yeah 
looked looked amazing. I I, I gotta keep going to that. I I kind of excited now to see what the actual game, in game stuff looks like. Yeah. Um, because it 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 looks stellar. And and now, I know this is brutally unfair because the trailer for the new game just came out today, but um. I really want to know what the next one is. <laughs> the next Assassin's Creed game. Like, if they have an into, if they have an internal roadmap, they'd obviously be insane to share it publicly. But I would love to see it. I'd love to just get a sense of what's coming next. You know, oh, yeah. the Zulus. Okay, you know, I, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, my my best guess would be Rome. I've been saying that mm-hmm. for a couple of years now. But the reason why I think it will be Rome is that if you go uh, and look up some of the kind of extra material, publicity material for this new game, Valhalla, on mm-hmm. Ubisoft's website, and then also uh, read this uh, Darby McDivitt uh, interview that he did on uh, uh, GameSpot. Uh, he reveals that, uh, and the Ubisoft material reveals, that the team that worked on Valhalla, at least narratively, was the same team that worked on uh, AC4, Black Flag, and they also huh. did a little bit of the kind of narrative design for Origins, but they didn't do all of the work for that. So if you were to, say, step back and look at it from a game development standpoint, this team has been working on this idea for many years. You know, we could guess mm-hmm. it basically since Origins started. And so then that means that the team that did Origins, which included so much of uh, the material not just on Egypt but then also a little bit on Rome that team has probably been working on a new game and so that makes me think that that is going to be Rome that's my guess Uh, but I think there's some basis to that idea it could be a huge head fake and it could be the Holy Roman Empire could be you know (laughs) 30 years war Barbarossa, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. they're not uh, they're not going to do that no i think i think i think a game set in the 30 years war would be the whitest most eurocentric oh, game you God. could make in the current climate i just don't see that happening an absolute field date for online white oh, supremacists as well yeah sad, sadly yes. another one that i hope they do and it is kind of well trodden territory by video games at this point but i think you know uh japan uh, medieval japan would be a great yeah. setting uh, for an Assassin's Creed game, um, but uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, we still have to get Valhalla first, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I wish them well. I hope um, everything goes well with the final developments. You know, especially with everything going on regarding the virus. Um, you know, same yeah. goes for you, the listener. Uh, I hope everything is going well. I hope this podcast uh, reaches you and you're in good health and you're safe. Um, and I think that does it. I don't, I don't really have anything else. John, you've got anything else? No, just to reiterate, thanks for listening, everybody, and everybody stay safe and healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Ditto. Uh, so that does it for today's episode. If you are interested in more History Respawn content, you can reach us at www.historyrespawn.com. Uh, and you can also check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash history respond until next time goodbye